Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast with me, Gemma Bullivant, and my co-host, Fiona Craig. This podcast is for HR professionals and people-focused leaders from any function who want to think, act, and feel naturally more strategic. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Strategic Leader Podcast. Hello, Gemma. Hi, Murphy. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's really nice to be back. We feel like we have had a bit of a break. We've had Christmas. We've had, Gem, you've been on holiday, haven't you? Where have you been? Las Vegas, baby. Las Vegas, baby. Uh, I have been here eating my body weight in cheese. So uh, we're cranking it back up for the new year. Uh, maybe you're feeling the same by the time this goes out. If you're, st- if we're all still feeling as cranky by the time this goes out, we may have to do something about it. But uh, right now we're back in the back in the fold. Welcome back. Um, now, what are we going to be talking about today, Jim? Give us a, just give us a summary of our subject matter. Well, today we're going to be talking about strategic self-care, which is really, we've talked a bit about the the, the know-how, if if you could call it that, around strategy, some of the tools, techniques, models, things to think about when we write a strategy or we approach something in a, you know, taking a, a more strategic approach to a challenge. But actually, how we show up could fundamentally undermine anything, any of that fabulous know-how and the skills, the strategic skills that we may have acquired and want to show off to the world. So it's it's about really not letting your well-being or your emotional state, your emotional energy, or any any other form of how you show up undermine your strategic impact. That's great, isn't it? Because I think we've all perhaps been aware of people that we rate very highly and we know that they're excellent at their jobs, but we always have a notion that they are always a bit stressy or always a bit um, kind of panicky about something or over-emotional about something or stressed mm. out about something. And it, it that tends to be the thing that we remember about them mm. more than their actual professional competency. And it relates really to what we all really do know, which is it's all very well having the skills, the what, but then we do also have to show up and show those skills in the right way. And what we're going to be talking about today is one of the things that can affect the way that we show up and affect the impact of those skills is our own well-being. Yes, and I mean, I know from coaching many people, and I'm sure you're the same, that one of the things that people can struggle with is talking in meetings, presenting in meetings, speaking in front of people who are very senior, speaking in front of very senior stakeholders, people they don't know terribly well. And one of the things that can give you that extra bit of confidence or take it away is mm. your kind of state of mind as you're approaching those kinds of tasks mm. and, and mm. how you show up internally as you approach those tasks, no matter how technically well prepared you are. So mm. that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Wonderful. Where do we start with this then? So we know that we need to show up in the right way. So how can we best support that? Well, as ever in these situations, I do have a model that I can share with you. Um, It's one of my personal favourites and it actually comes from, uh, well, to be honest, I don't know where it comes from. I encountered it 
in a primary school context. So when my kids were primary school age, I came across this model. But I think it just goes to show that a lot of the stuff that we talk about in strategy doesn't have to be super clever. It can just be common sense. So the model I want to introduce you to is called HALT, H-A-L-T. And they all stand for things that can have an impact on the way that we show up at work in any given moment. So HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Uh, you can see that that would apply to young kids. But of course, it still applies to us as adults, too. And if we just pick those apart just a little bit, we can see where this comes from. So hungry is our basic nutritional needs. As human beings, as possibly um, a little bit stressed human beings, we do need to look after ourselves. We have a responsibility to look after our nutrition. And that includes our hydration because um, lack of hydration can actually affect the way your brain works. And we want our brains to be working really, really well at work. So um, nutrition, eating the right kind of food over the long term and drinking enough water. But it might just mean today, have I had my lunch? When am I going to have some lunch? I mean, I'm a, I'm a terrible one for getting hangry. We've all had the expression hangry. I need to factor in when am I going to have a sandwich or something, because I know that I won't be any good if I'm physically feeling hungry in that moment tackle the basics so it's not being selfish it, these are quite critical things mm. to help think our best and be our best in any given moment yeah and I think I am certainly one of those people who the entire world stops if I cannot stop my stomach from rumbling I can't <laughs> concentrate yeah it is not one of those things that I can just ignore maybe maybe for a, a short time but it, I do find it incredibly distracting yes. to to be hungry and I, I was reading this week actually some of one of those really annoying influencers that talks about how you can be at your most productive at 4am oh, and yes. he was saying in this blog that I happened upon that the best way to be productive is to power through the first four hours of your day without breakfast. <gasps> that will then focus your mind on the task at hand. I must I thought, well, that certainly isn't me. I'm not. I'm not sure I'm on board with that influencer. No, definitely not. Sometimes I think it's really irritating being so aware of when I'm hungry. But actually, I think it is helpful because so many people can get through to three o'clock and then realise that they haven't eaten anything. And your body and your brain needs it. It needs the fuel. So if you yeah. want to be thinking your best, you have to eat whatever. Even if it's just a banana, you have to get some nutrition in there yeah. and you have to be well hydrated. Okay. And so that's the H. So that's the H, hungry. hungry. Angry is the second one. And again, let's think of this a little bit broader. Angry, I tend to think, encompasses any what you might call inconvenient emotions, big inconvenient mm. emotions. And what how that shows up at work often is if we are we just had a meeting let's say in the morning with something and either it's gone spectacularly well and i'm riding high i'm cocky i'm full of confidence and i have to go into something else straight away i have to go into a one-to-one -one or some sort of strategy meeting or i have to go into a meeting where i'm doing lots of listening or let's say i've had a very stressful meeting i've been undermined i've been made to feel very angry in in that meeting for example or conversation or maybe I've just read an email that's left me feeling very resentful or, you know, I've got some kind of strong feeling. It's very, very easy to take that feeling into the next piece of work that you do, into the next conversation, mm. into the next meeting. 
And that feeling maybe doesn't belong in that second meeting. The feeling belongs to the first task. So when we're thinking about angry and checking in with ourselves, am I angry? It's broader than that. Am I carrying any inconvenient emotions that belong to one task? Am I carrying them into another task where they're actually going to get in the way? So thinking about any big feeling that belongs, you know, legitimately with one action, how do we notice that that's going on and perhaps park it? And so I'm going to come back to that. But right now I've got to go and have a one-to-one with a member of my team. And that emotion is not appropriate for this conversation I'm about to have. So it's about noticing. And it could influence your impact in that scenario it could influence how you approach that task it could influence how you interact or communicate with someone and yes. that 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 can actually be as we know we can, as leaders our how we show up is very infectious so if we show up angry then the the other person is going to uh, pick up on that so it's about that regulation that self-regulation i think Yeah, self-regulation is such an important task, regardless of if you are doing a strategic task or not. It's part of your your, your toolkit around professional maturity um, and just being a a skillful executive, um, being able to self-regulate and notice when you are stressed out or angered or or kind of overly excited Mm -hmm. about something that would be inappropriate in the the next conversation, because it does have an impact on everyone else that you're talking to. I mean, we've all been in situations where we've been talking to somebody who's carrying something else from a previous meeting. It's very easy for us to assume that that's something to do with us and that we've done something Mm. wrong. And often that's just not the case at all. Mm. So Mm. being able to notice, check in with yourself and self-regulate, deeply important. Mm. Uh, Same absolutely applies to the third letter. We've done hungry, we've done angry, lonely. So lonely, again, you can see it in a primary school context, but in a professional context, I would include things like here about being, am I unsupported? Am I missing an ally? Um, Do I need to get the support of some kind of senior stakeholder here? Um, And this encompasses all kinds of things. There's a lot of work, a lot of research that's been done around the importance of having a friend at work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, lockdown has changed the way that we have friends at work. We used to go and perch on someone else's desk and have a bit of a gossip with them. We used to go out and grab a sandwich with them. We used to maybe have a drink after work with somebody. Um, You know, we've got someone to go and cry in the loose with on on occasion in our career. I'm sure most people have done that once or twice in their whole career. Um, So the importance of having an ally, whether they're in the room or not, is kind of not the point. But it's whether you're feeling supported or are you feeling alone in whatever endeavour that you have. Are you walking into a meeting where you kind of think nobody's on my side here and what can I do about it? Because Uh, that can affect the way we show up. It can affect our readiness to join in. It Mm. can affect our readiness to say what we're really thinking. It can affect our perception of psychological safety. Mm. It can affect the way that we bring other people into the conversation if we're feeling quite isolated. So it's about just noticing, noticing without judgment, oh, I notice I'm feeling quite lonely or I'm feeling quite unsupported or I'm feeling quite isolated in my position on this issue. And then it's a question of saying, who who could I bring on board? Who could be my ally in this meeting or on this project that is going to advocate for either me personally or this project or whatever it is I'm working on? So that's how I think about interpreting lonely because we can carry that loneliness into, into some other situation. And I think it's probably fair to say that 
all executive roles come with a form of solitude because there are fewer uh, people that you can confide in, that you can use as a sounding board. Perhaps you lead a department or you lead a, you know, a, a team, but your peers have narrowed. There are fewer yeah. peers. Yeah. It's actually quite difficult to vent as a leader in a yes. safe way in an, in an organization. And that's a form of loneliness as well. And then coupled with that, as a leader, you are expected to perhaps position things that are new, different, challenging, that mm -hmm. maybe don't have popular support. And one of your tasks is to generate popular support. And that can yeah. be quite uh, a lonely exercise. But when we're feeling in this way, whether it's whether it's hungry, angry, lonely, or the or the last one, it is influencing our impact. It's influencing yes. some of the decisions that we might make in the moment. That in a different frame of mind or a different mindset, a different physical state of being, we might make a different decision or a different choice. Absolutely, and I think the the key thing is noticing that that's how we're feeling. Mm. And saying, mm. do I want that to influence how I show up in this next meeting or this yes. next conversation? If I don't want it to, then uh, even just the act of noticing will will make a big difference. And then a question you can ask yourself is, if I wasn't feeling lonely, if I wasn't feeling unsupported and isolated, how would I show up in this meeting? It's not, I don't think of it as that fake it till you make it, but just thinking, if I wasn't unsupported, would I speak up? If I wasn't feeling lonely, would I invite people to join my point of view? Would I have reached out to somebody before the meeting and, and just done a little bit of stakeholder management? Because it, if we are feeling lonely, it can be very easy to shut ourselves away a little bit. So what would somebody who wasn't feeling lonely do in this moment? Uh, can be a helpful question to ask because it might just prompt an answer that actually you could do and the act, act first, and then you might feel a bit less isolated. Mm. So that's lonely. So, the four, so, the, so that's lonely. Yeah. Fourth one is tired. T. It's T. It's T. Halt. H A L T is tired. And I mean, this seems really obvious, isn't it? We're we are in senior roles. We're working really hard. We might be carrying around a bit of stress and uncertainty around with us. And tiredness can show up in all kinds of formats. It can show up in emotional tiredness. It can show up in physical tiredness. So I think we we do have a responsibility to look after ourselves physically. Make sure we get enough sleep. Make sure we get enough fresh air. Make sure we get enough daylight. There's been a lot of evidence in, in the last couple of years around the impact of daylight on our body clocks, our body rhythms, and the way that our brains work. So getting outside uh, as soon as possible in the day. Maybe that will help my jet lag. Oh, maybe are you are you still jet lagged? Still, <laughs> yeah, jet -lagged. still jet lagged. If you're still it. jet lagged when this podcast goes out, you definitely need to go outside. <laughs> but tiredness, like we all know, and we say, oh, I just need to get a good night's sleep. But there are various, you know, there are various things to do which we all probably avoid doing around getting a good night's sleep. Going to bed at the same time each night is scientifically mm. proven to be very valuable. Mm. Avoiding screens. I mean, I'm a sucker for Instagram before bed. But mm. it is one of the worst things you can do, isn't it? Getting mm. rid of the screens before you go to bed. Um, mm. Having a cool bedroom is another one. So there's various things we can do around sleep. Um, but I think also related to this tea of tiredness, are we getting enough exercise? Are we getting enough fresh air? 
Uh, and are we looking after our emotional well-being as well? All of our different forms of energy, how mm. are we observing them? How are we managing them over the long term and also over the short term in this moment? If I'm feeling really knackered Friday afternoon and I know I've still got another two, three hour meeting, can I just go outside for five minutes and take some gulps of fresh air? Can I just kind of try and reset myself a little bit before going into that meeting? Yeah, there is a concept of emotional energy management that mm -hmm. I sometimes refer to with coaching clients. And it relates to this idea that there's positive emotions and there are negative emotions or perhaps unhelpful emotions. Yeah. And it relates to the idea that some emotions that we experience take a lot of energy and some yep. emotions are quite low energy mm -hmm. and if you were to plot those on a two by two matrix you've got the high energy um, at the top and you've got the low energy at the bottom and you've got the positive ones on the right hand side and the negative ones on the left and the idea is that that top right high energy positive emotions is a bit like your flow zone mm -hmm. it's that i'm challenged but i'm challenged in in the right way i'm feeling energized i'm feeling excited i'm feeling positively yeah you know, motivated and ready exactly. to go yeah but you can't possibly be in that top right box the whole time we don't have that kind of energy reserve we need mm. to mindfully uh, recharge our batteries we need to positively do some low energy activities that effectively what, what, are like uh, like recharge so what kind of emotions would go in that low energy positive box? that would be relaxation yeah. there'd be emotions in there around uh, contentment being in a calm, uh, calm might calm. be in there. exactly so there's 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 those sorts of emotions that enable us to just take a moment mm -hmm. step away but are not necessarily negative they yes. are just relaxation type emotions yes and what happens is that we then sometimes so we're all human switch into more negative forms of emotion mm -hmm. and those would sit on the left hand side so there might be um anger there might be frustration there might be um jealousy so or resentment those feel so quite high energy high energy negative emotions and they take exactly. quite a lot out of you don't they yes yes and then uh, on the sort of the low energy negative we've got kind of exhaustion burnouts and boredom is, yeah. is one yeah. that sits there as well because that can really eat away lack, lack of engagement feeling that sort of detachment could sit mm. in that corner, couldn't it mm. which is like mm. oh, i'm not engaged but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kind of fight it I'm just going to be resigned to it yes so when we're thinking about tiredness in the in the halt model mm. obviously we're thinking about phys the physical side of things sleep and 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 the things that we've talked about already but we are also talking about are we depleting our reserves and yes. our energy through uh, the high energy uh, less helpful emotions when we could actually choose to be more in a positive frame of mind or mindfully recharging before we get ourselves too exhausted. Oh, nice. I like that because it's quite interesting to think, you know, because sometimes we can say, oh, I'm really knackered. I, I, I shouldn't be this tired because I've had a really good day. Mm. Um, 
actually a good day could still be quite a, an exhausting day, couldn't it? Because if you've oh. been very excited, if you've been very, you could be quite agitated along with all of those positive emotions. Mm. Um, mm. So it could still take quite a lot out of you, even if it, even if you do perceive that actually it was a really good day. Well, you're absolutely right. But I think the big thing as well is that we sometimes just try to ignore how exhausted we feel and <laughs> yeah. just kind of go, oh, I'm just going to power through. I'm just going to power through. Yes. And actually, that's not going to that's not giving us enough time in, in that low energy positive box. Yes. Which is effectively our recharge, because we, we know our phone doesn't last forever before we, we actually have to plug it in. And mm -hmm. we don't last forever without plugging in as well. So we need to give ourselves the space to do that recharge. Yes, indeed. Indeed. That's a that's a good place to wrap up the HALT model. So we're talking about HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired as a way of checking in with yourself. How am I showing up today? How am I about to show up? show up on the call I'm about to get on or the conversation I'm about to have it's just or you know how am I today you could you could use it across any time frame couldn't you behind each of those words is quite a lot of quite a lot of either helpful or unhelpful emotional turmoil that's going on that you could be bringing with you into a meeting when actually it's not helpful to do so and that's exactly. that other people may experience rather than your fabulously calm, rational, strategic thinking, which you may also be bringing in, but that may get overshadowed a little bit. Yeah. So let's say we notice our anger. We know that we need to manage our emotions to help with our kind of you know energy levels and so on, but also manage our emotions in terms of the A in the in the HALT model. Yeah. Uh, let's say it's an anger scenario. Mm -hmm. What can we do to let go of that anger? It's all very well saying you've got to let go of that anger, but what can we do to do that? What would you suggest? What would I suggest? Well, you're you're asking me like I've got an answer. Um, I do, I do have, I do have an answer. Whether it's the answer, I don't know. Um, <laughs> is this a good moment to bring in uh, tennis players? Is that uh, is that? What I think it's always right? a good idea to bring in tennis players. <laughs> you can do you can bring in the tennis because I know you're a big tennis fan and I will bring in the model so one of the things you will have observed about tennis players if you watch any tennis whatsoever is that between points they will do some fidgeting it might be with their racket it might be with their ball or balls it might be with their I was going to say costume but you know I'm not really a sportsman but with their outfit um Gem who do you know that is very well known for their fidgeting and their little fidgety ritual well it's got to be Nadal really yeah. Nadal has got a little routine that he does between each and every point when when serving but he also does it when receiving as well but I think the interesting thing about this is if we if you think about a tennis game players are wanting to win each and every point yes so it's almost like you've got a micro moment in each and every uh, uh, steps during during the during every match yes and if you don't know much about tennis what i can say is that when you're serving a point for for the next point you have i can't remember if it's 25 or 30 seconds Oh. to be able to serve the next point i did not know otherwise, there was a limit on otherwise it. you run out of time okay and you're penalized so let's say it's 30 seconds 30 seconds between serve between the end of the point and you having to serve the next ball and i guess the now, critical point there is that you might have just lost the previous point mm. you might have 
battled through it. You might have messed up. You might even have fallen over. You might have won it. Mm -hmm. You might have lost it. But you've you got might to have had a shouting match with the umpire yes. about that yes. point. You might have hit a ball, boy. <laughs> These <laughs> things happen. But you've got to go into the next point afresh, haven't you? That that yeah. And that and the reason I like this particular uh, little um, hack, if you like, is it is only thirty seconds. Yes. And often that we sort of dismiss our ability to reset ourselves simply yeah. because we are back to back, we're too busy, we're crazy busy, and we just move from one thing to the next. Yes. There is a 30 second hack that means that you can reframe and get yourself ready for the next meeting or the next thing that you need to do and cast off as much as possible the emotion from the previous one. So that A, doesn't get carried over into the next interaction. Do you want to take us yeah, through it? I will absolutely take you through it. And it, actually, you can use you can still use it because it is very very quick. You can still use it in the middle of something. It doesn't have to be between things. Mm. Although that's the obvious place. Um, mm. But if something goes amiss in the middle of a session, a conversation or something, and you feel like you need to reset yourself, then you can still use this. So the, it's called the four R models. Uh, these are, are four tiny, tiny actions for you to do, which will help you reset. They use the word rituals. Rituals means things that you do regularly that has some kind of meaning. So it's not just mm -hmm. I'm scratching my nose because, you know, I, I just scratch my nose. There's no reason for it. These are kind of intentional things that we do because they have some meaning to us and they represent mm -hmm. something to us. So if we think about rituals in that context, the first R is to recover. So we've just finished. Let's just say we've got back-to-back -back calls. We've just finished a call. We've said goodbye. We've clicked the uh, leave the meeting button or we've walked out of the room. Uh, we have to first acknowledge that that task is finished. Often we'll kind of go, Whoa. you know, we'll have a breath and we'll sort of go, oh, thank goodness for that or whatever it might have been. So we just simply acknowledge that task is finished or that part of the meeting is finished or that moment has passed to recover. And so that might involve us closing our book. It might involve us clicking, leave meeting, and then having a stretch uh, or looking out the window. It might involve us checking our phones. These are all tiny, tiny things that we might do. We're not talking about a big thing. We're talking about little tiny things that you mm. intentionally do to acknowledge that that moment has finished. So recover is the first one. The second one is to relax your body as a result of the fact that that thing has finished. So this is a bit of a moment in between. That thing has finished, the next thing hasn't quite started yet, and I need to just try and check in with my body and try and relax it. The obvious mm -hmm. thing to do here is simply to take a couple of deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Which is what tennis players do, they have a breathing yes. session. A little, a little breathing ritual, which mm -hmm. is intentional. I mean, you're gonna breathe anyway, let's face it, but that's not a ritual. Uh, it's to intentionally breathe uh, or roll your shoulders, tip your head to one side, take your glasses off and rub your eyes. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just a few seconds that you are intentionally doing to kind of relax your body and bring some level of sort of self-comfort into that moment. My little breathing one, which is super simple, is breathe in deeply and breathe out slowly. And that's literally all it is. I do that three times. It takes about five or six seconds. Um, breathe in deeply, breathe out slowly. It's not particularly uh, mindful, but it really helps me just to kind of physically power down, power back up. Mm -hmm. So that's relax. We've done recover. We've done relax, which is the moment in between. 
we're now doing refocus. So we're now turning, literally turning our focus, turning our gaze onto the next thing. Um, say, right, we are now going to be having a different part of this conversation, or we're now going to be going into conversation with somebody else. So what can I do for that? Can I think to myself, okay, how do I want to show up in this meeting? What is the most important thing I need to achieve in this meeting? What can my best contribution be to this conversation? It's a mindful moment where you're just checking in with yourself. Okay, here is a new task. I need to show up. I want to be seen as a strategic professional. How am I best going to do that? And then the last R is ready, which is, again, a physical act to kick off the next thing. Now, this might be turning over a new page in your notebook and writing the name of the person that you're speaking to down. It might be opening a new tab on your computer and putting some notes in there. It could be picking up a pen and clicking it three times. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a tiny micro action that physically marks the beginning of the next thing. So we've got four little minor, minor rituals. One is to recover physically, acknowledge that the task is, the previous task is, is finished. Uh, to relax that moment in between, which is breathing is stretching are your friends in this one. Uh, refocusing your mind on what's to come and how you want to show up and how you want to be remembered in that task. And then a physical action to show that you are ready to open the next part of the conversation or the, or the next thing. Those things could be three, four, five seconds each. The, the main thing is that you're doing them with purpose. You're doing them intentionally. You're doing them because this is what I'm doing. I'm recovering. I'm relaxing. I'm refocusing. Okay, next thing right in front of me. And I am ready. I've got my notepad. I've got my pen. Yeah. I've got my laptop, whatever I've got. Off we go. And yeah. it could just be a matter of seconds that you have between task A and task B. But just mindfully going through those four different kind of positions will help. Mm. I like it behind and set and set off into the new thing and that is based on um that is the, the four r's is the same model that the tennis players use to go okay mm. well, what are the little twitches that i'm going to do i remember you thinking he can't be constantly he can't always have an itchy eyebrow he doesn't have an itchy eyebrow at all it's just that that's one of his rituals that he puts in there to help him go through that process recover relax refocus and ready fabulous now, we've got some information that you can refer to in the show notes on those things. So uh, don't worry if uh, if you've not if you're out and about and listening to this and, uh, and, and not able to take notes, you'll be able to then refer to it at a later date. And they both fit onto a post-it. So if you want to keep them in front of you to just help you remember to do this stuff, mm -hmm. then whack them on a post-it, stick them on your screen. So hopefully what we've covered today helps to show that it's not only knowing what to do in order to be more strategic, but there's a there's some strategic impact considerations for us to take into account, to, to really think about, and to not underestimate the importance of some of these basic fundamentals on how we show up as being an enabler to us being more strategic. Mm -hmm. in our day-to-day. -day. I think they also enable us to be more productive. They enable us to be more inclusive and more collaborative. So they, they support a whole bunch of things yes. uh, as well as being strategic. But I think if you're, you know, if you are going to be presenting something or talking people through something that's quite a high level, that these are only going to help get you in the right frame of mind to do that really well.
Right. Probably in the future, we're going to also start talking a little bit about frame of mind and mindset. So mm -hmm. let's uh, let's hold that thought. Oh, let's dangle that carrot, shall we? Just dangle that carrot. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very, very much for listening. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And you know where we are. If you've got any feedback, uh, please do drop us a line. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Strategic Leader. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to access more of our recordings. And if you think it'd be useful for someone else, please forward to them and leave a review. We base our content on questions we are regularly asked and what you want to know more about. So please do email us with any questions or comments to Gemma at gemmabullivant.co.uk. And remember, you're already being more strategic than you realize. <laughs>